One of the biggest, if not the biggest hindrance to renewal is fear. Apologize about that. One of the biggest, if not the biggest hindrance to being renewed and being all that God has called us to be is fear. Fear, more than just about anything else in life, will keep you and I from becoming everything that God wants us to become. Last week, I came across an article chronicling the top 10 fears that hold people back in life, and I want to share those with you. Number 10 is a loss of freedom. Number nine is inadequacy. Number eight is being judged. Number seven is getting hurt. Number six, something bad happening. Number five, uncertainty. Number four, rejection. Number three, failure. Number two, loneliness. And number one, change. Let's be honest. Fear is rampant in our culture and society, is it not? And it's not just unbelievers who struggle with fear. As I speak to people inside the church, it seems like everyone is dealing with anxiety and fear, especially if you're under the age of 30. It's an epidemic in our culture. Over the last year or so, our congregation has lost several key families that have moved out of the city. New York City was already very transient, but COVID just accelerated the transients. And so we've had several key families that have moved out of the city, but we have gained a lot of young adults. And many of the young, young people I know are dealing with debilitating fear and panic attacks that have completely stolen their confidence. And we know one of the major reasons for this uptick in fear and anxiety, don't we? There's study after study that links an increase of fear, anxiety, and depression to our social media use. The more we scroll, the more anxious we are. Did you know that the most repeated command in Scripture is not a prohibition of sexual sin or drunkenness or to not kill or to not lie? The most repeated command in Scripture is do not be afraid or fear not. I've heard it said that there are 365 commands to not be afraid in the Bible. One for every day of the year. And boy, do we need it. Amen. So let's look at Genesis chapter number 31. I felt a little bit ambitious. I wanted to, I wanted to impress Pastor Benson and, and the church since, uh, you know, this is family. And so I'm going to attempt to preach through a whole chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter number 32, but we're going to start in Genesis chapter 31. So hopefully I do it justice today and it makes sense. If not, I don't know what to tell you. You can get somebody better next year. All right, Genesis chapter 31 and verse number three, and it says this, then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Let's pray. Father, help us to be everything that you've called us and created us to be. Let this word fall on fertile soil. I pray that there would be expectancy, faith, and hunger in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to give a little background, when God speaks to Jacob here, he was living and working for his uncle slash father-in-law. Some of you may remember the story, but Jacob fled to his uncle Laban's house after Esau threatened to kill him because he and his mother deceived Isaac, his father, into giving him Esau's 
blessing. And so he ends up moving in with his uncle and falling deeply in love with his youngest daughter, Rachel. Laban makes Jacob work for him for seven years to marry Rachel. Can you imagine that? You find the woman of your dreams and then the father-in-law says, you can have her, but you got to work for me for seven years. Sean, could you imagine pastor doing that to you? (laughs) You would do it though, right? Yeah, she's worth it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Bible, the Bible's a little weird like that. Um, and so, and so Laban makes Jacob work for seven years to marry Rachel, but on the wedding night, instead of giving him Rachel, he deceives Jacob and gives him his older, less attractive daughter, Leah, and then demands that he works for Rachel another seven years. And he ends up doing that. Now it's been 20 years since he fled his home and moved in with Laban and he's ready to branch out and be on his own with his family. But his father-in-law doesn't want to lose Jacob and asks him for a price for him to stay. And Jacob tells him that if he'll stay, that he'll stay if he'll give him the spotted, speckled, and brown goats and sheep and bait. And Laban's like, bet, I got you. You can have what you want. But what Jacob does is he ends up deceiving Laban by selectively breeding the goats and the sheep and mating the stronger animals for himself and the weaker animals for Laban. Because of this, Laban is very upset with Jacob. And all of this, okay, there's a reason I'm giving this background. All of this becomes even more complicated because God tells Jacob to go back to the land of Canaan, the land that God gave to his grandfather, Abraham. And of course, Laban doesn't honor his father-in-law on the way out and leaves Laban's house without saying a word to him. This is the definition of a toxic relationship, is it not? Both men were deceiving and manipulating one another to benefit themselves. And so here's the situation that Jacob is now in as he's going where God wants him to go. He heard the word of the Lord and he said, I will go. But here's the situation that Jacob finds himself in. He's got opposition behind him and before him. Behind him, he is being pursued by Laban, who he deceived and left without saying a word to. But before him is Esau, whom he had stolen his blessing and birthright from. Jacob was in between a rock and a hard place. Any of you find yourself in a similar situation today? So Jacob, traveling towards his father's house, sends gifts to Esau in hopes of finding favor with them. Let's pick up the story there. Genesis 32, verses 6 and 7. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. The thought, the very thought of Esau, his brother, coming to meet him along with 400 men, understandably terrified Jacob. But Jacob's fear and anxiety was created by his past, his past actions, his past choices, his past decisions. How many of us in here today or watching online are being haunted by our past? I believe that in order for you to experience true renewal this year, and I believe that God wants each and every one of us to experience that, you need to face your past in order to be free of fear in your present, or you'll never step into your God-ordained future. Let me say that again. You need to deal with your past 
in order to be free from fear in your present or you'll never step into your God-ordained future. Amen? Let's continue on with the story. Verse 9, then Jacob prayed. Just FYI, if you, ever, if you struggle with fear and anxiety and all those things, it's a good idea to pray. And he prayed, oh God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and to your relatives, I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two camps. Verse 11, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Jacob's prayer contained a tension that many of us grapple with. It's the tension between what God said and our present circumstances. God said to Jacob to go back to your home country, but the thought of Esau brought fear and dread to Jacob. How many of us have experienced or are experiencing this tension right now? I know for me, I've cried out to God so many times over the past seven years of living and doing ministry in New York City. God, I know you have called me to minister in this city. I know you've called me to reach the poor and the marginalized of this city. I know you've called me to, to pastor this church, but, but where is your provision? Where are the resources? Where are the people that you said would fill this church? I know what you said, God, but what you said and what I see are two different things. Anybody been there? But I think that's how prayer should be. If we can't communicate our fears and our anxieties to God, then how can we ever cast those upon him like the scriptures tell us? See, Jacob was afraid of what Esau was going to do to him and his family, even though God told him to go back to the land that he was given as his inheritance. Esau, if you haven't picked up on it yet, in this story represents our fear. And one of the ways fear manifests itself in our lives is through intimidation. We're going to talk about that more uh, later on. But notice that when Jacob was consumed by fear, his brother Esau wasn't physically there. What he was afraid of was his imagination of how his brother still must feel about him 20 years later. And this is how fear works, right? It begins in our imagination. And as we meditate on that imagination, it begins to control and intimidate us so that we won't act on what God says to us. You see, both fear and faith can be looked at as muscles. And whichever one you work out more will be stronger in your life. So if you're working out that muscle of fear, it's going to control you. But if you're working out that muscle of faith, what God says is going to control your decisions. Let's continue the story in verse number 22. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. Everybody say cross over. He crossed over the fort of Jabbok. Here's what I believe. I believe that God is calling the people of this church to cross over this year. Yeah. 
But here's what I also know. Anytime God calls you to a new level, which he's doing in this church, anytime God is calling you to cross over from where you currently are to where he wants you to be, there will be an Esau to meet you on the other side. So as you're standing at the fort of Jabot, contemplating stepping into the Jordan River of where he wants you to be, I have a question for you. What is your Esau that's trying to keep you from taking that step across? Is it a fear of the unknown? Is it panic attacks? Is it paranoia? Is it a fear of failure? What is it? What is it that's standing on the other side as you're contemplating whether or not you're going to cross over? I don't know specifically what your Esau is today, but I do know that God is calling you to cross over this year from your current location to where he wants you to be. And there are three specific areas that I believe that God is calling this church to cross over into, okay? Number one, he's calling you to cross over from hiding in fear to facing your fears. He's calling you to cross over from hiding behind your fears to face your fears. Like I mentioned earlier, Jacob fled to Laban's house 20 years prior because Esau threatened to kill him because Jacob and his mom deceived Isaac into giving Jacob Esau's firstborn blessing. For 20 years, Jacob had not faced his biggest fear, Esau. For 20 years, Jacob had not seen his father. But once he crossed over the fort of Jabbok, it was inevitable that he would have to face his biggest fear. Fear And this year, God is calling us out of hiding and into naming and facing those fears that have controlled us for far too long. It's time for you to name and face that fear that convinced you that you are going to die young. It's time for you to name and face that fear of crowds. It's time for you to name and face the fear of trusting someone romantically. I've discovered that some people aren't dating not because there aren't any options, but because they're afraid of bringing someone into their life because of what they might think of them once they know who they really are. It's fear that's keeping them from those relationships. It's, it's time for you to name and face that fear of fully trusting God in the area of your finances. It's time to name and face your fears this year, church. And as you decide to face your fears this year, I want you to know that God will send his angelic protection to help you. Let's backtrack and look at Genesis 32, 1 and 2. So Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Jacob recognized that what he was headed into was not a physical battle, but a spiritual battle. Okay, and and he named that place Mahanaim, which means double camp. And commentators believe that he named it double camp because it was here that he saw the Lord's camp surrounding his camp as he was about to cross over into his destiny. You see, God sent his ministering angels to Jacob to, to assure him of God's divine protection. And I believe as you face your fears this year, you can also be assured of God's divine protection. He's not going to leave you alone on an island, okay? Jacob may have thought that his battle with fear was because of Esau, 
But he quickly realized that fear is a spiritual battle, not a fleshly one. The apostle Paul reinforces this idea in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You need to stop wrestling against your spouse. You need to stop wrestling against your kids. You need to stop wrestling against that church member that offended you because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Contrary to the images that our culture puts out about demons, right, The devil isn't someone dressed in red with horns and a pitchfork, contrary to what we see on TV and cartoons. There is a hierarchy. Okay, I didn't mean to talk about demonology here, but there is a hierarchy in the devil's kingdom, okay? He says there are principalities and powers and rulers, and and, and, and so there is a, a level of organization and sophistication in which the devil unleashes his schemes in your life. It is not a coincidence that right before you step into your God-ordained destiny that fear would try to overtake you. Yeah. The enemy watches us and tries to, to, to pick up on our weaknesses and he tempts us when we're weak. What this means is that the source of your panic attacks is not physical, it's spiritual. The source of your social anxiety is not physical, it's spiritual. The source of those thoughts that something bad is going to happen to you or someone that you love is not physical, it's spiritual in nature. God is calling us to cross over this year, number two, from retreating to wrestling. Let's continue reading uh, verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. You know when you've had an encounter with God, because you leave that place with a limp. Often the very things that bring us the most fear and anxiety are the very things that propel us into a wrestling match or an encounter with God where our name is changed. We're given the confidence to face our fears and we enter into the promises of God. Church, facing your fear is going to require you to wrestle with God like never before. The text tells us that Jacob was left alone. His phone was put away. Social media was put away, distractions removed, no family, no friends, just him and God. And this man that we find out later in the scene is actually God did not come to Jacob until he was completely alone. Some of us have not encountered God because everywhere we go, we take this with us. Everywhere we go, we take Netflix with us and Hulu with us or people with us family with it. We're never alone. And so we're never in a place where we can truly encounter 
God. But the thing that's going to give you a new identity and freedom from fear is your time of wrestling and contending between you and God alone. You see, the true source of freedom from fear in your life will not be found in trying hard enough, pulling up our sleeves and and trying harder, but in an encounter with the living God. And by the way, all encounters with God are are not beautiful and pretty. Not all encounters with God consist of of Maverick City music playing in the background and us beautifully just tears streaming down our face in a beautiful uh, state-of-the-art auditorium. You see, some encounters with God involve us being out in the wilderness, out in the dark, alone, surrounded by uh, animals and surrounded by trees and surrounded by darkness, fighting, wrestling, and contending with him for the blessing. Are you willing to cling to God so tightly that he is forced to bless you? How much are you willing to contend with God to silence the voice of fear in your life? See, just as there is a wrestling against evil forces that is required for us to be free, as Paul outlined in Ephesians chapter 6, there is a wrestling with God that is required as well. The Bible tells us that Jacob would not let go of God to the point that he touched his hip socket, making it come out of joint. But even with his hip socket out of joint, Jacob continued to wrestle with God and said, I ain't letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go. I don't care if I die in this place. I don't care if you touch my other hip socket. I don't care if I have to crawl the rest of my life. I ain't letting go until you Bless me. And this is such a great picture of what it looks like to contend with God in prayer, is it not? See, if all of your prayers are simply lip service and are full of repeating Father God, how many of you have to know that person that just over and over, Father God, Father God, Father, I'm not hating on you, but if your prayers just consist of lip service, you are missing out on a dimension of prayer that God wants you to enter into. There is a dimension of prayer that you can only reach as snot is running down your nose because you are crying out to God desperate for a breakthrough. How many of you have been there before? That snot prayer. That's another dimension right there. And that snot is coming down because of the desperate situation that you're in. See, some issues in our lives get resolved instantaneously, but there are other issues that require a back and forth with God and an unwillingness to give up. Then God asks Jacob what his name was. How many of you know that God knew what Jacob's name was? God never asks a question because he needs an answer. He knows everything. He's God. But this question forced Jacob to face who he really was. Jacob the schemer. And as Jacob revealed who he really was, his soul was naked before God. You see, Jacob had to reveal his true nature before he could be blessed. And as Jacob's heart was laid bare before God, God changed his name from Jacob the schemer to Israel. His new name symbolized his new nature and identity God had given him. You see, the changing of Jacob's name symbolized renewal happening in his life. He began the wrestling match with God as Jacob, but left as Israel. He began the wrestling match as schemer, but left it renewed. You may have come into this church service with the label of fear, but you will not leave here with that label because God wants to meet you today. Amen. 
God doesn't want you controlled by fear any longer. God doesn't want you held back by fear any longer. God doesn't want you scared to step across the fort of Jabbok any longer because he wants to meet you in the here and now. We are told that after his encounter with God, Jacob walked with a limp. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great Welsh Protestant minister, was once asked, what does a person look like who has truly met God? And he replied, he walks with a limp. Jacob stopped walking in the flesh and began walking in the spirit. And you could tell because he was now walking with a limp. The pride had been ripped from him. The arrogance had been ripped from him. His scheming and deceit had been ripped from him. And he was now walking as a renewed man, but he was walking with a limp. See, God is calling us to cross over from hiding to facing our fears from retreating to wrestling, and finally, from intimidation to courageousness. Once Jacob finally met Esau face to face, he realized that the fear he was feeling was all just a paper wall. Have you guys ever seen that paper wall at football games? There's a paper wall up, football players run through it, but what the enemy does to deceive us is he paints bricks on that wall, and he writes things like, you loser, you scumbag, You better not even try. You're not worth it. You're not valuable. He'll write all of these things and he'll deceive us into believing that that paper wall is a real brick wall. And and once we we say, you know what, I'm going to go through that wall because God is with me, we realize that that wall was just simply a paper wall, but we were intimidated and afraid to go through it. The emotion of fear he was experiencing was real, but the threat was not. When Esau finally met up with him, he embraced him. He hugged him. He kissed him. Esau had forgiven Jacob and let go of the offense a long time ago, yet Jacob was carrying this fear around everywhere he went. See, the thing about fear is that it goes everywhere you go. It feels like you can't escape it. Jacob was intimidated by the thought of Esau. Intimidation, which is one of the symptoms of fear, happens when people and circumstances become bigger to you than who you are in Christ. You see, when we know who our heavenly father is, there is no need to be intimidated by anyone. But if we're insecure about our place in God's family, we will be susceptible to intimidation. Some of us sitting in here today or watching online, you are intimidated by coworkers. Some of you are intimidated by certain family members. Maybe someone here today is intimidated by a bully at school. I know people who are intimidated by certain races of people. I know people who are intimidated by people in authority or leadership over them. And God has called us to honor our leaders but not be intimidated by them. Right? Some of us are intimidated by those who work for us or those whom we lead. And because we're intimidated, we shrink back from making difficult decisions and truly leading One time, a leader told me that uh, the type of loyalty he required for those working in his ministry, and and the whole reason we had a conversation was because there was something um, unethical and immoral that happened in the ministry, and we brought it to his attention that needed immediate action. And he, we had a bunch of conversations, and one of the conversations, he, he said, the type of loyalty that I require is that those working in this ministry, those working for me, is to bury dead bodies for each other. And then he looked me in the face, and he said, are you willing to bury dead bodies for me? 
And I looked back at him and I said, sir, I am accountable to a power that is much higher than you. I will not bury dead bodies for you or anybody else in this ministry. And uh, just, let's just say I didn't last very long in that ministry. <laughs> and I promise it wasn't Pastor Benson. We've never, he's a bulldog, but he, we never had that conversation. Uh, it was someone else. But this leader was trying an intimidation tactic to get me to sweep something under the rug. Fear, get this, you need to get this church, fear is using our imaginations to glorify the thoughts of the enemy and his plans for our lives. Did you know the enemy has plans for your life just like God has plans for your life? And fear enters and controls when, when we meditate on the plans that the enemy has for us. Fear is simply renewing our mind with negative thoughts. The Bible in Romans 12 says to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Fear manifested through intimidation controls us when we're transformed negatively by allowing fearful and faithless thoughts to replay in our minds over and over and over. Some of you in here or watching online, you're replaying these thoughts that have no faith, that are full of fear over and over, and it's manifesting in the decisions you make. It's manifesting in the daily life choices that you make. It's manifesting in your relationships. You see, the reality is, is that our mind is going to be renewed by something. We can either have our minds renewed by God's word or by thoughts planted by the devil. We can renew our minds with Fox News and CNN or what God says. We can renew our minds with TikTok videos or with what God says. We can renew our minds with Hollywood's agenda or by what God says. It's our choice, but, but know this, our minds are being renewed by something. If I could have the worship team come up. Whenever we listen to the voice of fear, we're giving it a place in our lives that only God should have, okay? Whatever you fear is a functional idol in your life. Because you fear that thing more than you trust God. So when you fear something more than you trust God, that has become an idol in your life. And God commands us over and over to not be afraid. But if we're allowing fear to control us, it's because that fear is more powerful to you than God is. But God is sovereign. Meaning he has power over what has power over you. Do you believe that? He has control over what has control over you. It's a matter of believing that the God that you serve is a sovereign God and he is more powerful than by what you're bound with right now. He is more powerful than those panic attacks. He is more powerful than that social anxiety. He is more powerful than you being afraid to step into what God has for you this year. It is time for some courageous, spirit-filled believers who know who their heavenly father is to rise up and stand up to the spirit of fear. Stop allowing the spirit of fear to bully you around. Stop allow, allowing the spirit of fear to tell you what to do. Your God has power over the spirit of fear. It's time for some people whose name has been changed to boldly walk into what God has for them this year. It's time for some people who have encountered God and are walking with a limp to refuse to walk in the spirit of fear this year. You can be bold because you know who your heavenly father is. You can have courage because you know who your father 
is you can be in community this year without social anxiety because you know who your father is. You can speak in public this year because you know who your father is. You do have what it takes to take that new position at work with greater responsibility because you know who your father is. You can lead a small group this year. You can start tithing. You can cross over because you know who your father is. And if your father is for you, then who can be against you? If your father is for you, who can be against you? You don't have to be intimidated by the spirit of fear. And as we're landing the plane today, here's what I want to say. Intimacy cancels out intimidation. Intimacy cancels out intimidation. The more intimate our relationship is with the Father, the less intimidated we will be of people and circumstances. Pastor and Don, there's a crossing over that's happening in your lives and ministry in a few months. You're crossing over into from what you've done for 20 years, pastoring this incredible church, coming here with it in a very difficult position, but by the grace of God and the spirit of God, you've built an amazing church, but you're crossing over into something different. You're crossing over into a season of realignment to other things that God has for you. And I, I don't know, there might be some fear and anxiety that you're dealing with. Uh, you don't come across as a fearful person, but we're all human. But I want you to know that God is saying, fear not for I am with you. Pastor Sean and Pastor Krista, you guys are crossing over from support staff to the ones that now need support. You're crossing over from championing the vision to now speaking the vision. I don't know. There might be some fear and anxiety that you guys are feeling, but I want you to know that God is saying, fear not, for I am with you. In church... You guys are crossing over from pastor that's been here for 20 years to new leadership. I mean, it's not new leadership, but person in the lead position. And you might have some fears, but I want you to know that God is saying, fear not, for I am with you. I am so excited about the grace place crossing over into a new season and into a new place that God has for you. And I, for one, do not want to see fear holding this amazing church back from the things that God wants to do. The things that you haven't even imagined or seen yet that God is going to do to impact this community and to impact generations but it's going to take a collective crossing over. It's going to take a collective confrontation of, our, of the Esau's in our lives in order to, to, to step into what God has for us. Amen? Can we stand and 
pray. Holy Spirit, we just, we thank you that you're here. We pray that you would move in our hearts.